Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and... Me, Wilwer, a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week is Believe by Cher. Will, we weren't going to do this one this week. What's happened? Yeah, what on earth are we thinking um, doing this one? It's 20 years since this album came out. Can you believe it? And it's also, for the first time, being released on vinyl to celebrate that fact. Which I've got my pre-order in. Are you going to get yours? Absolutely. So we had planned, as you'll know, this week we've got two episodes out, both featuring Cher. We're celebrating two of her biggest albums released 20 years apart. Believe is the 22nd studio album by Cher and was released on October 22nd, 1998. Uh, Just let's take a moment. The 22nd studio album this was. And Cher has just released another studio album. With how many? Another two in between, is it? Do you think? Another two, three in between? Easily. But I think what, for the biggest thing about this being her 22nd studio album, is that this is potentially her biggest studio album as well. So can you imagine being 30 years into your career, doing another album, and it actually surpassing everything you've ever done before that? I... Think of an act now who's on their third or fourth... Think of a female singer now who's on their... Who's doing quite well, who's on an early album. The idea that they, they're they incredible now and they're topping the charts and they're touring and all this kind of thing and then this idea that their career is going to take this journey that's going to, you know, that's going to dip and dive and there's going to be other projects along the side and then in 30 years' time when, her, when their fans have got kids and families of their own, this new album's going to come out to a whole new audience... Yeah, it's it's a phenomenon. It's this album is a phenomenon. It was, and it was a huge kind of reinvention and rebirth for Cher back in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, it was her first major foray into like Eurodance, pop dance music as well, which is arguably a, uh, an area that she she's since then she's never really departed from, mm. such as the success that she's had with it as well. And I just remember it felt like a huge comeback. Because when Believe, the single, came out, it was it was a worldwide hit, wasn't it? And it's not very often we've said that on this podcast. It wasn't just big in the UK or across Europe, uh, or it didn't just get to number one in the singles charts in the UK. It was iconic. And I think this song, the title track off the album, it still is. Absolutely. And just this, I can't get my head around this idea that... Because I can remember exactly where I was when I... Well, I don't know if that was when I first heard it, but my friend Emily had her, it would have been her 11th birthday party at a village hall in the local town. And I distinctly remember this song being on. And maybe I'd heard it once or twice before, but I remember dancing to this song. I've got a really, really vivid memory of that. Um, and you never felt quite the same again. <laughs> and it, it opened my eyes. It stirred something. <laughs> I think we should just stop dancing around it and get it on. Oh. And put the put the song on. Right, okay. Um needs no introduction. Track number one. Believe by Cher. So, Dan, 
just to put it into perspective how big that song was mm. uh, and what a song uh, it was at number one in the UK for seven weeks which is unprecedented really that's huge and also I think at that time I think we mentioned last week actually how around late 90s early noughties uh, singles would come out wouldn't they they'd go straight into number one and they'd drop out mm. the next week two weeks maximum so for, yeah for seven weeks it was a real testament if it was a number for seven weeks that meant it was very popular and actually do you know how many copies it sold in the UK mm, I'm gonna did it sell over a million that'd be lovely if it did uh, 1,830,000 copies Christ. in the UK which is incredible this song was was massive and actually it's a fantastic pop song it is. And it's, you know, we were bopping away while it was playing there. Um, you had your little wig on with the little neon light-up sticks in it. That was nice. Did you ever see that uh, French Saunders sketch, which is the the wigs of Cher, Jennifer Saunders, who can look like anyone when she's dressed up. She's got that skill. Basically showcased a number of different looks and wigs from Cher's career. It's hilarious. I don't think I've Brilliant. seen it, but I think you can see that still live just going to see Cher on tour, can't you? <laughs> yeah. It's... I mean, the, the essence of that song is it's got an extremely catchy chorus. Yeah. The production is solid. Very... Fantastic. With the chorus as well, a very clever line, do you believe in life after love? Was this the first known occurrence of the vocoded vocals? Because I think for a long time afterwards, if you did it, it was doing a show with the vocals. Sorry, I don't understand. Are you saying that it's not all... Share, it's not on. just her. No, it's no. it's computer computerized her voice and processed it. No, I was quite <laughs> impressed because I thought that was her. I don't think we should continue with this. Actually, <laughs> I think it was definitely the biggest known version of it at that time. Certainly, and also doing a share. Quite often, it's share doing a share, isn't it? And I have to say, actually, sorry to jump the gun a little bit on the next album. There's a song called "The Music's No Good Without You," is it? Yes. I think she does too much of a share on that one. I never, <laughs> I never liked that song. So the producers on this album, by and large, are Mark Taylor and Brian Rawling, and who she, after this album, she continued to work with, and most recently this year as well, on the Dancing Queen album. Um, this track, though, a couple of names you might find familiar on writing credits, mm. Brian Higgins and Tim Tim Powell. Yes, no, they, their names, that Higgins name does ring a bell, actually. Obviously, uh not as often mentioned as Stuart Price on this podcast, but Xenomania... We promised we wouldn't say Stuart Price's <laughs> name. We said just before we hit the record button. Uh, Xenomania, we've talked about before. Brian Higgins, founder of the Xenomania Production House. This was some, uh, some early work he did with Tim Powell. Uh, they had writing credits because they produced an early demo of this track that was presented to Cher. Uh, which he then, which was then developed and worked on and produced, involving other people. But it was from an original track and demo that Brian Higgins had originally come together. I believe that they presented Cher with a num and her producers with a number of tracks from Brian Higgins, uh, and this was one that she went with. This was the um, only one that she went with. And you know, and look at and look at what happened to it as well. And actually, there is Brian Higgins does have writing credits on a further track on Cher's 2001 album *Living Proof*, um, which is *You Take It All*, which is also produced by Chicane and Brian Higgins together. Chicane, Chicane, as yeah. in featuring Brian Adams, *Don't Give Up*. Yes, and as also *Offshore* uh, with Tom Jones, *Stoned in Love*. Stoned in Love, fantastic song. Yes, that. yes. Um, I think, but back to believe. Yes, and 
I was going to say, I think we could probably spend an entire episode's length talking about Believe, um, and it might be an idea to move on to the other ten, nine, sorry, tracks in the album. But one thing that I find phenomenal about the fact that, you know, I was a 12-year-old, young, innocent boy dancing at this disco, what's incredible about that, if you think about it, is that my parents would have had a time dancing to share when, when things like Turn Back Time and things like that came out. But also my grandparents would have had a time dancing to share when... She was with Sonny, uh, Sonny, Sonny Bono, Sonny Bono. Never quite sure if it's Sonny or Sonny. And also now, if I'd had children, which I don't, I wouldn't have them. I don't like them. Um, <laughs> they could be dancing to Cher's new album, Dancing Queen. So she just is a a, a phenomena. She's more than an artist or a singer or whatever. She's something else. I think we need to obviously our next episode, which is also available this week, yes. goes into Dancing Queen in more detail. So we'll save any of kind of the more up to date share uh, for that. Yes, she's she's had a, a face left. <laughs> or four. So believe brilliant pop song. So much more we can say to talk about that. But let's move on because there's loads of other great stuff on this album to talk about. So track two now. Do you have the power? to ask actually we're only on track two of the album but it was only on hearing that Cher was going to release a 20th anniversary vinyl release for the first time it dawned on me that I'd never actually listened to the album I'd just been aware of the singles from it were you a fan of the album in its entirety? Believe the single definitely drew me into Cher in a way that I'd never experienced before and I, I think it would be unfair for me to say that I loved the whole album but there's certainly 60% of the tracks on this album I love. Mm. I think are brilliant. That said, the power isn't one of them. <laughs> and it's right. And I think there is something about how you order and track list an album, but certainly after believe, how are you going to get a second track on that album that feels like it's in any way an equal to that to that track? Well, I think track four might just do that because uh, <laughs> it's basically. Believe part two, isn't it? But we'll probably get to that in in a, in a few minutes' time. I do quite like this one. I do quite like. I I completely agree with what you're saying. To follow believe, could well could anything follow believe? But there's something about this song I quite like. The starkness of it and that juxtaposition, for want of a better word, to believe. Um, and there's an interesting story with it because it was written by or carried by a, an artist, a songwriter called Judson Spence. The story goes that he struggled several years to have a hit with anything. But with this song, The Power, it was covered by Amy Grant and Cher to some success for both of them. And produced by Junior Vasquez, who pop aficionados will probably more remember for remixing songs. Yes. Um, particularly around the, in the mid to late 90s and early noughties. Likewise, I'm uh, aware of that name through remixing. Do you have a favourite remix of theirs? I think he did a uh, wannabe remix, actually, from the Spice Girls. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, also remixed Jerry Hadowell's Michiko Latino. But we're not here to talk about that solo female icon. We're here to talk about another one. <laughs> you, any excuse to get Jerry Hadowell in there? Honestly, Dan. We'll get her in the in the studio one day, I think. Until then, should we move on to track three? Let's go on to track three, um, which is Runaway. Runaway! 
I think Runaway definitely picks up the the style and the thread from Believe. Yeah, definitely. This is um, this is actually the start of a four-song run um, of tracks written by the aforementioned Paul Barry and uh, Mark Taylor. Um, and yeah, you definitely can hear that 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 formula, that winning formula in the, the production, in the sounds. Yes, yeah. um, starts off with that nice sort of electro ballad thing going on and then all of a sudden this beat comes out of nowhere um and actually it's the formula that she's stuck to you know with subsequent albums but yeah i think if you like believe and you like some of the other singles from this album there's a very good chance you're gonna like runaway it's more of the same it's an album track but i think it really kicks off probably about a minute or so in when the beat kicks in Mm. you do feel like you're on that believe dance floor again do you think runaway should have been track two yes I think right. it would have flowed better. Yeah. I think it'd be less of a climb down to go from Believe to Runaway to The Power and then back up again for track four. Mm. I think you might be right. I've always wanted to... I've always thought my dream job would be to that to be that person that curates the Now CDs and puts them in the order. I love making a playlist. Oh, it's funny you should say that. I read a fascinating article a while ago. I think it was to coincide with Now 100. Yeah. About an interview with the people that do that very job. I think I read like it a great as well. job. Yeah. yeah. Love putting your players together. As previously mentioned in, in another episode, I have the pleasure of putting my brother's uh, wedding disco players together. You bet your bottom dollar share believe will be on there. I think it's a wedding staple now, isn't it? It has, yeah. Uh, let's move into track four now. And Dan, I know you like to call this track, and it's called All or Nothing, but you do like to call it Believe Part Two. Because it is. If you're not familiar with this track, you'll find out why. I don't mind the fact that it's like Believe, uh, and it's almost structured. You could actually sing the lyrics to Believe over the top, and it still fits. I don't mind that. Yes, because we were doing that. <laughs> <weren't> we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did it, and it worked. But I think if you love Believe, then you know they definitely went for the fact that I don't know about the timeline for production on this album, but I think they definitely knew Believe was a hit before the whole album came out. Yeah, it was part of this. I said it before, it was a winning formula. It worked. It was it was what Cher fans wanted. Apparently, before the album, um, Cher's previous album was a bit of a flop and her record company said, make an album to appeal to your gay fans. I'm not quite sure if this does that. I don't know if they really achieved that at all. Mm, no. No, I think it's, it's one for the rockers. I think. Yeah, no, a bit, um, bit flat. Uh, I think they loved it. Um, we've talked a lot about Mark Taylor and... Paul Barry, songwriters and producers of the album. I thought it might be a good time to actually just reference some of the other artists they've worked with, some of the other tracks they've written for reference and see maybe if out there you, there might be a, a Believe Part 3 or Part 4. They both worked together actually with Gina G oh. uh, on Fresh and Tiamo, the album, the tracks that followed Who Are Just a Little Bit. Well actually there was a track, I Belong to You was the second track and then it was Fresh and then it was Tiamo. I didn't say exclusively, so (laughs) get off my back please. Sorry. Also, 
Mark Taylor uh, worked on On a Night Like This by Kylie. I can see the similarities, actually. When you think about Tiamo and Dove L'Amour on this album, which we'll come on to. Yeah. And On a Night Like This as well. Very similar. Yes. Very similar target audience. Don't understand what you're... Sorry. Um, and they both worked on a lot of tracks with Enrique Iglesias as well, including um, Love to See You Cry, which, again, I can hear that. Mm. I haven't listened to that song for a long, long time, but just thinking about it, I can hear... When you were used to be a big fan of his. Well, I used to draw that mole on every day. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong song because it's, it doesn't stray too far from the formula, and I think they knew they were onto a winner with the sound they created for show with this album. Um, and I'm pretty sure they felt that the next track was strong enough to compete with those as well. I think the, the difference with... Well, well, we'll talk about it afterwards, but yeah, let's go in... Let's, let's dive into track five, which is Strong Enough. Strong Enough Survive there by oh no That's, sorry strong I, enough there by Cher. I will survive part two, <laughs> following believe part two. But I'm you know I mean that joke as a compliment because it's a really fun disco song, perfect track two fodder after a huge. How do you follow a song like believe or actually do something that's really different? Yeah, different and equally as upbeat and danceable and with this sort of quite grand production. Um, but yes, it's a very different ilk, if that's the right word. My grandma likes that word, ilk, <laughs> of that ilk. Because um, Believe's got very much the the vocoder and that kind of thing, and Strong Enough has got the strings. Well, Believe is more of a kind of modern dance... Club. Club song. Strong Enough is more of a... It does have a real retro disco feel to it. Yeah. There's a real empowerment running through it as well, like I Will Survive. Yes, um, and it probably appeals, you know, this this audience that they might have been asked to appeal to, I think probably strong enough might appeal to them. I think it does get you dancing. Mm-hmm. does get you, you moving. Just dancing, just then. I, I wouldn't deny that at all. I think it's it's such a catchy song. Mm. The chorus in particular. Yeah. You can't help but kind of belt it out. But you were just belting it out. just. <laughs> <laughs> it was another massive hit for, for sure. As a follow-up to Believe, do you know how massive it was? Do you know? I don't because I, you know, I, th- I think of Believe, I think of how big that was, and I know of the other three singles in here, but no, please do enlighten me. I got to number five in the UK charts. That's quite good, isn't it? I, I mean, it was always going to be a hard follow-up, wasn't it, after after Believe? Yeah. To have surpassed that would have been surely impossible. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> call me Cher. <laughs> it's a good one it's probably behind Believe my second favourite track on this album oh I don't know what mine is can I tell you at the end yes okay. yes you may thank you um, and it might be this next one actually which is Dove Lamour Dove Lamour oh, Dove Lamour Dove Lamour I cannot tell you what my love here is my 
Translates to in English. I don't. I do believe it's Where's the Love. So yeah, this was the fourth single from the album, but still a very, very strong track and a very different sound as well, I think. It's got that kind of... Flamenco. Flamenco. Bit yeah. of ta- a bit of an Italian disco yeah. feel as well to it. The salsa in there. It's, it's a meze, isn't it? Oh. Ooh. I recently read on, I think it was on Twitter. I mean, we haven't yet talked about Cher on Twitter, which... We could probably do a whole episode about... Oh, she's just brilliant. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you need to. Um, Uh, She's gold, absolute gold. After you followed at Move to Trash UK, do follow at Cher. She's my favourite person on Twitter. She recently... she, She shares a lot with her fans, which is what I like about her. But she recently said that she wants to shake up her tour set list. And this, Dovely Moore, was one of the songs that quite a few fans said they'd like to hear live. However, I don't think she's done it for some time. No, and I think off this album, it's probably a little bit a little bit down on the list of things that she would perform. Mm. Uh, I'd love to hear it live. I'd lo- I'd love to see Cher live. Actually, I've never had the pleasure. There are will uh, you and I obviously are both going to Glastonbury next year. There are rumours of the, the the Sunday Legend slot. That would be phenomenal. Honestly, I can't think of anyone I want to see more. And in that slot as well, she would do the hits, wouldn't she? She would do. Hit after hit. She do believe she wouldn't do Dublin more, actually, would she? She'd probably do Strong Enough. Yeah. And some of the older tracks as well. And I'm sure she would do a couple of songs off the most recent album as well. Yeah, she Which we'll to. talk about next time, obviously. Yeah, we can't talk about that now. Um, Let's move on to track seven now. Good idea. And this is Taking Back My Heart. <laughs> G on there, Back My Heart there, written by the legendary um, Diane Warren, who... No relation. Who, oh, yes. <laughs> um, writer of iconic, huge ballads. We previously mentioned her on the Sugar Waves episode where we talked about Too Lost and You. Uh, she was also wrote Pet Shop Boys, Numb, um, Aerosmith, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Faith Hills, There You'll Be. She's won Academy Awards for her work. Like What I quite like about this track is that it's not her standard sweeping ballad it's got a little bit more of funk to it a little bit more oomph if you like but still a little bit middle of the road definitely an album track certainly compared yeah perhaps it gets a little bit lost in the the bangers of this album Uh, probably a good time to talk about the fantastic artwork on this album (laughs) Um, um it's sure looking actually older than she does currently on the front cover of her most recent album. That's probably just natural process, I think. Looking a little bit, actually, like a the sexiest sister of Morticia Adams. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Um, um, well, would you like to move on to the next track, then? Yes, let's go. Um, I think we need to leave. Let's flag down a taxi. 
taxi. <laughs> Is that your favourite song about a method of public transport? No, actually, I think my favourite song about a method of public transport is On the Metro by Girls Alive. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I thought about this question about three hours ago and I knew that was going to be the answer. Do you know what mine is? Go on. I think probably Sound of the Underground. Oh, again. Girls Alive. There's a link there, yes. yeah. Um, so quite a clubby one there. Yeah, I think... and. and now, not to give any spoilers away, but I think we're moving into real club territory. This one, of course, written by and produced by Todd Terry. Um, you can tell. Yeah, definitely. It does this weird thing that I think is not rare, but it's the first time we've seen it on this album where the verse and the chorus are very different. They don't they don't naturally merge into each other. Mm. The chorus comes in and it's almost a very different thing, but it works as a song. I, I, lo- I probably think there's a much longer version of this song that maybe feels a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, possibly. When it starts, I have to say, when it first the beat first starts, I think it sounds like it could be a remix of Tragedy by Steps. <laughs> Which actually, when was this out? 2000? 1998. Oh, 98. And that was out 98 as well, I think. So perhaps they're brothers from other mothers. Time to move on. Okay. We're on to track nine now. And Love is the Groove. should have gone into a little bit more detail about Todd Terry's work because he also produced this song. He didn't write this one, but he produced it. Todd Terry, you will all know uh, from his remix of Everything But The Girls Missing. Which was huge, wasn't it, in the UK? That was uh, 96... It was a couple of years before this, wasn't it? And he was very, he was huge in the charts around this time. Remember um, something going on? No, I know a song like his own track. No, I don't think I know that one. But yeah, New York-based producer and um, huge for remixing and production. And actually, yes, this track, the previous track, and the next track are all Todd Terry's uh, productions. He's taken the reins from Mark Taylor and Brian Rawling there. Whilst things get a little bit more clubby in the last few tracks yeah uh, this is a cover so this isn't an original share song this is Betsy Cook's original mm. composition and recording what are your thoughts on this version of this song on this album I like it I think it's very much it does sound like a Todd Terry produced dance track in the late 90s which is no bad thing in my book last time I said this phrase you laughed at me but I'm going to say the phrase world music something about <laughs> The sort of, I think there's xylophones in there and there's some uh, backing vocals and maybe a small choir in the background or something like that. I think it's very much, uh, it's, 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 it's not, we're not in the club 
as we know it as 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 much as before. We're not. It's not in strong enough or all or nothing or believe territory. We're in the nightclub of the world. Yes. What a beautiful place to be. Should we leave it for a second and go to the last track on the album? So we're on to the last track of the album, which is, I mean, it's a classic Cher song, actually, reimagined for the late 90s. This is We All Sleep Alone. Somebody all alone Faces of night you got to be strong When you're out on your own but sooner or later, we all sleep alone. So that was We All Sleep Alone, which is a remix of a classic Cher track. Always feels a little bit out of place on this album for me. I see what you mean. As mentioned before, I'd never listened to this album in its entirety until... I knew we were going to celebrate it for its 20th anniversary. And it wasn't until going a bit further into the the details of the album that I, I saw that this was a remix. So on my first few listens, I thought this was a genuine part of the album. What's weird to me is that it didn't feel like... It didn't feel completely out of place. But actually, the whole second half of the album does feel a little bit thrown together. And not in a really bad way, but as I said before... the. There's those run of songs where the production, the guys doing the production, Mark Taylor and Brian Rawling, who also did believe they're all the same. Then you've got this song coming in with, written by Diane Warren, that they also produced. And then you've got this Todd Terry section. And within that Todd Terry section, you've got a song written by him, a cover version, and then a remix of an older share track, which was written by Bon Jovi. So, do you see what I mean? It's very, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a car boot sale at the end there, but there are some gems to be found. I mean, it's, it's good fun, that last track, but for me, it sounds like a demo. The production just feels a little bit off. Mm. Com- and you're right, compared to how slick, really well-produced and cohesive the start of the album is, for me, the 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 music and the vocals just feel a little bit off on the last track. And, almost... and it almost seems to come in, it almost feels like it was a nine-minute remix, and this comes in halfway through. Yeah. It doesn't feel... It feels like you're on the back foot from the start of the track. Almost feels like, yeah, one of those unofficial remixes or a sort of a white label remix. Yes, exactly. Which doesn't do the quality and the production of the rest of the album justice. No. That's the end of the album. However, as always, we'd like to celebrate this era a little bit further and do some further listening tracks. So what are we what are the rules for further listening for for Share today? So as previously mentioned this is part of a, a double episode bill. Um, you can also listen directly after this to Dancing Queen. So we thought let's celebrate Share from Believe to Dancing Queen. So nothing from either album but whatever's in between that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to jump ahead to 2001 and Living Proof, which was the next full official uh, studio album from Cher. Okay. Um, And I'm going to go for, I think if you enjoyed Believe and some of the songs from the same producers and writers on, on the Believe album, this is very much in the same vein. And this is Song for the Lady.
What I love about Song for the Lonely and Living Proof as an album, they clearly did think and look back to what made Believe so successful in, in 1998 and just, and just made quite a few tracks that sounded very similar. And I'm not against that because I really enjoyed Believe, but you've definitely got The Music's No Good Without You, Song for the Lonely and Different Kind of Love Song on this album at least which definitely follow in the footsteps of Believe. Not just in the production, but in the same kind of feel and structure. I mean, I really like this song. I love the soaring chorus and the build-up. I love on the album cover, Cher looks even younger than she did three years ago, <laughs> but that's expected. I think that's a pattern that's going to yeah. continue, probably. <laughs> what do you think of that one? Yeah, I do like this one. It's not one I ever sort of go to, really. And when I do hear it, I'm often quite... I'm reminded of it. I'm quite surprised at what a good song it is. It's the same team, isn't it, that did... Well, it's part of the same team, I should say, that did Believe, this track, uh, and the majority of the album. So it's Mark Taylor and Paul Barry. They've also got Steve Torch on this one. I'd love to tell you more about Steve Torch, but I don't actually know. Um, my favourite thing that I learned about this song while we listened to the track there was that it was used in an advert in 2005 for Weight Watchers for a, a global campaign. Is that implying if you're losing weight, then you're... Well, it was criticised because... (laughs) The insinuation there. That large people are lonely, which... Well, I'm not here to say if that's true or not. Draw a veil over that. Quite a large veil. I'd love to know what you've selected. Well, it's, it's quite poetic, actually, because we've gone from Believe to Living Proof, and my track of choice comes from the next studio album of Shares, which is, of course, Closer to the Truth. So this song, I was reminded recently, wasn't actually originally recorded by Cher, it was a cover version, and it's one of those stories from pop music that you almost can't quite believe. So let's listen to a little bit of the song, which is called Dress to Kill, and we'll talk about the original afterwards. And I'm waiting for the next one to fall. release the original version of that song yes he was an ordinary boy he was he was in celebrity big brother he was he was preston he was and how on how on earth did Cher end up covering a song originally written by preston off the ordinary boys preston of never mind the buzzcocks fame famously Um, insulted and walked off by simon amstel yeah um so Preston wrote this for, he'd done a few albums with The Ordinary Boys, had his Silence of Big Brother. Five minutes of whatnot. um, And then went on to do his own solo album. So Dress to Kill was the first song released from that in 2009. Uh, And Preston worked with Mark Taylor on it of Cher Believe fame. Dress to Kill failed to chart. Mark Taylor took it to Cher and they did a slight rework. They reworded it to say... I'm Dressed to Kill instead of You're Dressed to Kill. And it became part of her Closest to the Truth album. Now, I, at this point in time, I wasn't too interested in Cher's career, sorry to say. Um, so I didn't actually hear about the song until a few years afterwards. But I have to say, probably prefer the Preston version. But I think the Cher 
cover is a fantastic track. I think Cher definitely juiced it up more and it was a bit more of a banger. Yeah. In keeping with the Closer to the Truth album as a whole. Yeah. As dancey as you like. Oh, yeah. That um, the whole l- way through. The lead single, Woman's World, was a, a real bop, wasn't it? Well, Take It Like a Man, that was really good as well. I Walk Alone. And then, do you remember, she did The X Factor. So when was this album released? This was back in... 2013. So yeah, five years ago now. And then she did the ballad, I Hope You Find It. And I think everyone was a little bit shocked but to find that actually she can still sing. Anyway... We've come to the end of the episode. come to the end of the podcast. But... All is not over. If you're a fan of Cher, and hopefully the way we'd love you to listen to this is that you've listened to this episode of Cher's Believe Now, we have another episode for you today. So turn your cassette over (laughs) uh, and dive into Dancing Queen by Cher which is next up on our track-by-track playlist to listen to right away. Yep, it's the beginning of our celebration of the best albums of 2018, and we couldn't ignore that one, could we? No, and if you've already listened to Dancing Queen first, this whole bit doesn't really make a lot of sense. Any sense. So in that case, you've got something else to look forward to next week. So yeah, until then, let's let's end it as we always would, just in case people have got it the wrong way around. (laughs) Please... Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give us a, a follow and a wave and whatnot on Twitter at Move to Trash UK, hashtag track by track. And until right now or next week, I've been Mark Taylor. And I've been Sonny Bono. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.